you have to figure out how to stand out. And so that goes back to that brand guideline. And like Robert said, knowing where your customers are. And I'll be frank, I don't know a thing about TikTok other than all the silly videos I've watched. I have no idea how to use it for business, but I know that we have used Instagram and Facebook for business, for retail businesses, very successfully, or at least I've seen my clients who've been very successful. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Social media offers one of the biggest opportunities for e-commerce companies. The opportunity could include starting from influencer marketing to targeting ads on social media. Yet, not many companies truly understand how to take advantage of social media. The company that really understand the nuances of each platform are crushing with their numbers, whether you talk about LinkedIn influencers or TikTok. Also, the companies such as Twitter have been trying to figure out how they might be able to create an Amazon-like experience where the users might start searching for products on Twitter as opposed to searching on Google. But how to start on the social media strategy and how to succeed with it. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss social commerce strategy and how e-commerce companies can take advantage of it. We also discussed several other social commerce related topics such as trolls, repetition management, and the importance of educational content. Finally, we discussed the nuances of each social media platform and how to align your strategy with the social media platform. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to e-commerce and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insight and wisdom. For today, we are going to be talking about very exciting topic. I don't know how many people are going to be excited about it, but it's definitely exciting because a lot of people are spending a ton of time on social media, social commerce, but I don't know how many businesses are really successful with social commerce. That's what we are going to be discussing today, what e-commerce businesses can take advantage of when it comes to social commerce capabilities. Before we dig into that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. Uh, I am principal at Elevate IQ. At Elevate IQ, we are the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. And the e-commerce is always uh, you know, included in most of our engagements. We help our clients with the ERP selection, contract negotiation, 
business process re-engineering, enterprise architecture, system architecture, ERP project recovery, and ERP implementations. On that note, I am going to move to Steve for his intro. Hi, thank you, Sam, and appreciate being here with Robert, Chris, and Dave as well. My name is Steve Rice. I'm the owner of Dotcom Juggle, Steve Rice Consulting, and founder of the Globally Conscious Leader. Uh, and I spend the majority of my time working with uh, manufacturers, owners, and executives, helping uh, companies make and implement wise technology choices. Uh, and then sometimes with Dotcom Jungle, we do the implementations and integrations, et cetera. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Of course. Ha- happy to be here, and thanks, everyone. I am Dave Meyer, the president and founder of BusyWeb, who for the past 23 years has been a provider of e-commerce and social marketing solutions for manufacturers, B2B services, and anyone that wants to drive new traffic and close more deals. I'm super excited to be here today because I do a ton of work with social media for my clients on behalf of our entire team. So this is going to be a fun one, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Robert, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. My name is Robert Brown. I am the principal of Robert Brown uh, e-commerce consultancy. Uh, I specialize in seven to nine figure uh, B2C e-commerce businesses and helping them unstick themselves and become more efficient to uh, profitability and sell more be more for their customers and, and customer experience. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. Chris, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Of course. Great to be here, Sam. Thanks for having me. Great to see everybody today. Uh, Chris Harrington, President and COO of Gen Alpha Technologies. We are a digital commerce uh, software solution company for original equipment manufacturers and aftermarket organizations. Uh, This is an area that I think uh, has a really big opportunity in the future for uh, the types of clients that we work with, but I have to say it's still very new for many of them. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to learning from everybody here as well. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. And if you're joining for the first time, if you're in the audience, if you have comments, make sure you are going to post them. We are going to be covering during the show if you cannot get to them. During the show, our panelists are going to make sure that you get your answers. On that note, I am going to start with uh, the first question, and that is going to be, Steve, let's say if I am looking for the strategy for social media for the e-commerce businesses, how am I strategizing? I mean, if you talk about just posting randomly on LinkedIn, Instagram, anybody can do that. But when you are talking about real strategy, I think it's hard. So, Steve, uh, how would you define the strategy? Well, first, I would I would start at the thirty thousand foot level, regardless of the platform you decide you're going to use. I think you need to identify what probably everybody here knows as smart goals. You need to have specific goals that are measurable, they're attainable, uh, and they're also relevant. And you have to measure them over time. And your goals should align with your high level business objectives. Uh, and you want to avoid this is the way you avoid vanity metrics. It's kind of like nobody cares how many followers you have if you have zero dollars in sales, right? That's so for overarching, I'd say you want to have your smart goals. You want to have a set of brand guidelines because you need a set of rules that every single person on your team is going to be using because you're probably going to have multiple team members, especially if you're on Twitter. You know, I think the one of the recent suggestions says you should be tweeting 10 times a day. And uh, that's a lot. 
So also I'd say you should, one of the bigger part, piece of your strategy is you should decide how you're going to deal with trolls because they're, they're going to show up. After that, then you got to tackle each individual platform. And, and, you know, as I saw that the questions that are coming up where we talk about nuance, like what's the nuance between each one, each platform's different and it's also the same. So um, I'd start off with the, that 30,000 foot view. If that's a good answer for you, Sam. Very cool. And I have no idea how many businesses are going to be familiar with what a troll is. Do you want to describe <laughs> what a troll is as far as social media goes? Uh, well, a troll might be the uh, digital version of what um, Will Smith did to Chris Rock the other day on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, a troll is someone, I saw, I saw an example actually of Somebody who sold coconut water. This was a couple of years back. And um, somebody trolled them and said, I, that stuff tastes like urine. I'd rather drink that. And uh, that company actually decided to uh, post a picture of one of their marketers saying, give us your address and we'll send you some of what you asked for. So, you know, that's what a troll does. Is someone who's just putting you down, slagging you out there in public. And you have to figure out how to respond or not is sometimes the option, too. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Steve, for that. Uh, Dave, so I'm actually going to come to you. So in terms of the strategy, how would you define the strategy? And I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling that you should be expert at handling trolls. And maybe you can tell me a couple of stories uh, how you handled them in the past. Oh, sure. That's super fun. Um, I think for, for strategy and social media, the most important thing from my perspective when we're sitting down with a, with a client that's trying to engage, especially at e-commerce, is to really understand your customer first and to set up what we call a buyer's persona. There's, um, you know, somebody also calls them or you may also hear heard of them as buyer's journey or marketing persona. It's just a fictionalized version of your best customers. And you probably have a few different kinds of best customers. So you outline who they are, you know, their age range, their demographics, their psychographics, meaning what, what makes them tick, what they're interested in. Probably most importantly, what social networks do they hang out on and why are they on those networks? What are they looking for? What are they searching for? And then you build your social strategy to have the content built to engage that customer so that you start that conversation. You know, it's social media, and the social part of that is you're expecting to have conversations and be able to talk back and forth with that customer, and they expect to be able to talk to you. And so part of coming back and talking with trolls, right, is if you have a good social strategy in place and you understand who you are and especially who your customer is, if someone's trolling you, you can answer them from A, your truth, and who you are and what you do. And I'll share a story in a second. But B, you have to understand where that person might be. So you really need to link back. And my favorite example, and I'm a speaker and trainer for Google in addition to running BusyWeb. And I had this example. Um, Google Business Profiles has a social part to it where you can launch and publish um, reviews, you know, like five-star ratings of the business. And we had a problem with a attendee to one of my events where they were getting all kinds of negative comments kind of along what Steve was saying. But in this case, it was even worse. It was, you know, this person came into my house or, you know, somebody from this company came into my house. They tried to um, do something inappropriate and they were stealing our stuff, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Discovered the company did some research and they discovered that it was actually a employee's or a former employee's 
um, significant other that was posting these things. And so what they actually did is they shared appropriately and shut down the troll by simply answering, you know, we're so sorry that you um, had that experience. What we, we dug through all of our records and we discovered that we've never done any business with you and no, none of our employees have been in your house. And if you'd like us to help you find the company that you're actually trying to review, we'd love to connect you with them. Right. So, yeah, not us and blah, blah, blah. So the the obvious thing with trolls is you want to respond and hit back. That's not the way to do that. You know, the best way to, to respond to trolls is to, is to acknowledge and move on. Sorry you had that experience. We'd love to take it offline if uh, if you'd like to talk more about it. But uh, otherwise, you know, just share your side of the story. And I'm going to go on forever on all of these things, but I'd like to let other people talk too. So I'm going to shut up for now. Thanks, Sam. Okay, very interesting. And this is a very interesting layer to the conversation as well, to be honest. And the reason for that is because a lot of people are really afraid in going to social media. And the reason why they are afraid is because you don't know how your messaging is going to come across and what people might hit you with, right? So it's just a very frightening experience, at least for me, to be honest, okay? I'm always afraid in whatever we are posting as a company or I'm posting, whatever I'm saying, I need to be careful. One of the things that most people might not know, and maybe you want to touch a little bit more on that, is going to be, we have had this experience as well, and I don't know if it was somebody significant other, that's a possibility, uh, because you have the emotional connection and then you are definitely going to get one rating and really, <laughs> uh, if it comes from there, right? Uh, so in our case as well, we were getting like tons and tons of one rating. And, you know, I'm like, okay, we don't even have those many clients, to be honest. Uh, so I don't know where we are getting these reviews from. So when we contacted Google, they actually helped us and they removed all of those reviews. So you always have a reporting feature with most social media platforms because they want to make sure you are going to get the comfortable experience for yourself as well. I don't know about the other social media platforms. Dave, do you have anything else to add there in terms of what Google does? Yeah, yeah. so uh, officially, you congratulations on getting Google to respond to these because my official response when people ask me, can I take down response or take down reviews from Google is that no. Unless it violates a content policy, Google will not remove comments, even if it's pretty clear that they're not good. So congratulations on getting them taken down. Uh, there are some networks that are more proactive about that. Facebook tends to be okay when you're reporting things. There's a higher likelihood that comments that are negative or, or obviously false will get taken down. Um, TikTok is pretty assertive um, with their content policies and taking things down. YouTube has a ton of copyright protections. So a lot of times folks will get copyright slaps if they if they publish things up. And sometimes that's that's a way to do it. Um, but if you're just getting negative reviews and if there's other things and, you know, all of these social networks allow responses. But the important part and the guaranteed way that you can always respond is to simply choose to respond and tell your side of the story, making sure that it's positive, that it's truthful, and that it's not inflammatory. When someone's talking about or giving one-star reviews to Elevate IQ, Sam Gupta is going to be upset about that, right? And so Sam Gupta is going to want to go and kick some butt, you know, maybe do some back trolling and uh, clap back as the, as the kids say. The, you've got to avoid that temptation and simply say, 
you know, that's a, that's a false review. We're taking action. And if you really do have a huge problem with that, that's, that's a time to start looking for a good partner. There are reputation management firms that specialize in this kind of work. And I have a couple in my pocket for my clients. I don't do that at BusyWeb, but it's great to have someone there because it's a whole different world on trying to manage those reviews and handle it. And you kind of got to know when to walk away and when to just say, okay, I washed my hands of that. But you know, if you have like 3,000 one-star reviews because somebody hates you, you've got to take some action. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. So Robert, I'm actually going to come to you. So, uh, you know, obviously... You are working on your own social media strategy. Uh, you know, I see you all the time on social media. And now, you know, you are probably going to be advising your clients for the social media strategy. So when you look at the whole comprehensive social media strategy, where would you advise them to start? What is going to be the strategy in your mind? Well, just as Dave and Steve were talking about, you have to understand who your customer is and where they're going to live. You know, it makes no sense for you to start allocating all of your resources to TikTok if none of your customers are going to be there. Just because it's like, this is the buzzword. This is what the kids are talking about. This is where we need to be. If you can't justify your goals and your ROI on a particular platform, then there's no point in being there. So, and I, you know, what Dave said a lot of people mistake social media as just another broadcast channel when in fact you're supposed to have conversations and you need to be having conversations with the right people and the only way that you do that is by publishing content that resonates with them and and have those conversations um you know you will get people that will not be happy with you and it, as dave rightly said you know you can choose to ignore that but a better way of handling it is a truthful response like, hey, I'm really sorry I dropped the ball or, you know, you've never been a customer of ours. So I don't understand why you're judging us this way. And I try to focus my content on what is going to resonate with my ideal customer. You know, so when they see it, when they hear it, when they search for it, and that content shows up, they're going to go, oh, that makes sense to me. I understand. I want to come in and I, I begin that conversation. But if you're just running ads, the one of the biggest mistakes I've seen. So for a $20 million music reseller, they decided they had all the social media channels. They got rid of their social media people. They were sitting dead for a little while. They decided, okay, let's pick it back up again. And they just got a kid fresh out of college and they just started publishing sales. That's it. Just sales, basically sales flyers. And I'm like, and the owner really was not happy because he wasn't getting any traction at all. He wasn't getting any likes. He wasn't getting any shares. He wasn't, you know, no interaction whatsoever. He said, I'm wasting all this money with this kid and it's not going anywhere. And I said, well, you've got the completely wrong strategy. You know, you hired a kid that doesn't know your business, who is just publishing content that nobody cares about. Where's the stuff that your ideal audience is going to go, wow, that's really cool. Like, you know, where's that really cool Fender riff that, that's going to make everybody stop and say, hey, I want to play that, right? So that's the, the strategy is, is really focused on your specific business segment and your specific objectives. Okay, very cool. So I am actually going to add a very interesting layer there. And the kind of business that we are in, to be honest, I mean, all of us included, okay, with digital initiatives, it's very, very, very tricky business in general, it's very hard to make the customers happy because of the moving parts and the variables involved. 
And you are always going to have instances where you have done everything right, but the customer is still mad. And then you get the, let's say, the negative review uh, on Google or wherever you are going to get. And now you are saying that you can respond to somebody who is going to be, let's say, if they are not your customer. And here you might respond to these guys. Hey, I don't know you. Who you are? You are not my customer. How would that go? How is that conversation going to go? Can it turn into, hey, you are fake news? Even if <laughs> No, I, I think Dave said it perfectly. It's, you know, we looked at our records. We have no record of doing business with you. I, I appreciate your concern and your frustration. If we can help you out, we'd love to do so. But, and you leave it at that. And you, you, you absolutely do not want to get into a tit for tat on social media and have this long string of, you know, just burning resources. You try to get them offline as quickly as possible into a phone call or a direct chat to try to resolve that. So then they have the complaint, your response, and then a conversation. Okay, very interesting. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. So Chris, I am going to come to you. Obviously, my question is going to be around the strategy. And now the second question is going to be, that's again, interesting layer. And these problems are really associated with social media. And that's what frightens a lot of people, to be honest, okay? In some instances, people will not stop, okay? They, they will keep bothering, and I have no idea what to do with them, to be honest, okay? What would you do? Let's say you have responded that you are not my customer. This person is still complaining, sending screenshot, sending everything. Would you just stop? Would you uh, continue talking? So strategy as well as this situation, Chris. Yeah, you know, I of course I would take the advice that Dave and, and Robert have already said related to this issue. I, I would probably stop at a certain point because um, I, I think that people who would be watching that and reading it will be have their own self-awareness to understand what's happening. If I've tried to shut it down with a response like Robert had just provided and they still want to keep punching and engaging uh, in social media, I would stop and let others uh, realize what's happening here and, and assume that they're going to realize correctly that this person um, may be just falsely attempting to, to spread negative news when really there isn't a negative situation to report on. So I think from that standpoint, that's probably how I would handle that situation. <laughs> Related to, I guess, social media strategies, I think this topic is such a, an interesting one for sure. And, and I love the 30,000 foot level that Steve talked about. I think the only, you know, maybe addition that I would add to what everybody said here is that I would make sure that I, and, I, and we do this as a company and, and we always educate the customers that we work with who have e-commerce platforms is to be very authentic and to focus their content on the problems that they solve. So, you know, when we think about putting together content strategies, we really need to think about, uh, we first think about education. How can we educate? How can we inspire? How can we entertain others? And then sometimes we're doing our own promotion, right? And I think somebody said it here, and I apologize, I don't remember who, but, you know, people don't want to be served up your advertising all of the time. But if you've been doing a great job educating, inspiring, uh, and, and entertaining, it's okay every so often to promote what you do as a company. It should be hopefully obvious in all the ways that you've been educating, but you can sprinkle in that promotion there as well. I think too, if um, if if I were to take that thirty thousand foot level, the other thing that I would just talk about is that 
if I'm truly doing social commerce, my intent is to sell something online because I have an e-commerce platform, I'd want to be selective about my products. We've talked about being selective about the audience and the channels that we're going to be on. But I'd also think very uh, clearly about, uh, you know, in my objectives, like Steve mentioned, we want to make sure which products do I want to serve up to this channel where I actually think I'll be successful. If I think about the clients that I work with, they have a lot of SKUs. We've talked about this a lot. Not every SKU should make it to, to a, a social channel. But there probably are some very valuable products that could be sold on these social networks. And certainly people are buying on them and there's been a lot of hours on these social channels. So we should try to be identifying what products would fit the right channel and go after a strategy that way. Go ahead, Robert. You had a comment? Yeah, absolutely. I, I So there's a company in Eastern Pennsylvania called SmoothOn. So they are a direct-to-consumer um, and B2B seller of chemical casting, molding tools and equipment. And the way they do social commerce is they have these how-to videos and it makes it so simple. It's like, okay, if you're going to cast this big, you know, 400 pound bust of a lion's head for your front porch, you know, th these are the you know chemicals that you'd put together to make this mold. This is how you put it together. And these are the quantities. And if you want to get it, we have these on hand and we can ship them out to you. And it makes it very simple down to like, if, you know, you just have a newborn baby and you want that uh, mold of the mom and the baby's hand, you know, forever buy these two chemicals and, you know, and put it in this vat, let them sit in there five, five minutes, pour in the, uh, the hardener and voila, you've got this casting for the rest of your life. I mean, that, that is a great example of what they're doing and they, and they have picked the particular channels that they know that these makers are going to be on and, and the makers are going to be everywhere from an industrial company, you know, who's making castings for, you know, short castings for like uh, antique locks, metal locks to home arts and crafts kind of stuff. And so they, they pick the appropriate uh, videos and products for those different channels. Okay, so very interesting example, Robert, and, and that's going to be my follow-up question uh, for you, Chris, as well. And you mentioned that the content needs to be educational, okay? Uh, I don't know if a lot of companies really understand what educational content really needs. And the example that Rob, Robert provided, to be honest, I mean, and sometimes I struggle with this as well, okay? Uh, when you say social commerce, okay, can you walk me through, I'm educating somebody and then how are they going to pay again? Uh, <laughs> so sometimes that could be a struggle to be able to relate. But the the example that he mentioned, it sounds more like a sales pitch to be honest, but I can see why that content would work. Okay, uh, and in some cases that content could work. So in your case, let's say if you were the e-commerce company and you are trying to decide, do I want to go purely educational versus a little bit of social commerce? How would you approach this? Yeah, well, I think I would say that you have to sprinkle in all of it, right? Educational, inspire, entertain. So you have to get creative and do all of these things. But on the educational side, you know, and videos are a great example. And videos perform very well across multiple channels. You know, of course, they're going to do really well on YouTube, but they do really well on Facebook and others as well. So if you think about, again, talking through the problem that your customers are having, that your product that you're trying to sell solves. That's that's a great way to educate. It's really thinking about, so let's say, I don't know, I'm an, a mower manufacturer and 
Uh, a lot of companies who own these these big mowers, uh, they're on them all day long and maybe ergonomically they get really uncomfortable and they know about this, right? So if you do a video that talks about all the ways that your mower gets adjusted to make sure that you're ergonomically fit so that throughout the day you've been mowing for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours in the hot sun, but at the end of the day you get off the mower and you can walk straight upright. And you know, I think that's the way we have to think about what problem does our product solve and then find a creative way to educate people about that. Uh, and that's really what I'm, I'm talking about here. Okay, love it. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So Steve, I'm actually coming to you. And uh, obviously we want to touch a little bit more on the social commerce aspect where you see the direct dollar opportunity. Maybe walk us through some of the campaigns that, that you have seen where it really resulted into real dollars, uh, not just number of followers, as you had pointed out before. <laughs> okay. Well, so I, I want to um, answer that by feeding off of what Robert and Chris have sort of been saying. So they've been talking about the jobs to be done of the co consumers, even though they haven't said those exact words, something from Clayton Christensen. And I was just typing in what Chris was saying, so I was going to post it, so I have to do that after I stop talking. But she said, you know, what problem does our product solve and how can we educate our customers about it, right? And um, I would say from the consumer standpoint, if you're a B2C, you're actually trying to ask yourself what the job to be done is. And uh, I'll give an example of like a knife sharpener. And I'll get to this, like why this matters as far as money, because you, you basically were just asking about how do you generate sales, right? It is connected. It, just imagine how a knife company would think, because initially they'd say, well, what are we doing? Oh, we sell knives. Okay, well, so let's go talk about knives. That's not super interesting. Yeah. Um, when, when a, a, say, I come from the outdoor industry, if you're somebody who makes outdoor industry knives, you're probably going to go through a progression where you think we sell knives, then you think we sell sharp knives, and then you maybe you learn about Clayton Christensen and you start thinking, well, maybe uh, what we, what the job to be done is like a nice clean cut. And, and actually, the job to be done of someone who sells outdoor knives is to put food on the table of the people who use them, you know? So like the, so we've, we've now gone from, I have a thing to, wow, I just actually went through an entire process of some sort of hunting or fishing expedition and them serving food to my family. That's a very different thing to think about from a marketing standpoint than let's talk about knives. So if you take that, going, you know, the, 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 I'm putting food on the table. You now have a wealth of things that you can talk about from a marketing perspective that are actually interesting on YouTube. This is where, how influencers got invented because you have hunters and fishermen out there who are doing just that, yeah. talking to the people who want to do just that. And you get to now put a knife right in their hands and either be in their show with them saying, I've got this great knife from Benchmade or you're in your own show and you've got great famous hunters and maybe you get Bo Jackson to be on with you and he's using your knife. Now you have a whole nother separate social impact kind of marketing program. And that's, that's, if we're talking about the 30,000 foot level and how to put it into action, it's how you take that thing you're making and move through to that spot where you actually understand what it's really accomplishing for the people that are using it. And then your marketing becomes fun. This is a lot harder for someone who sells uh, steel molds to make plastic widgets, right? Uh, in fact, I'm not even sure I would want to take that on. I'll hand that off to Dave. But uh, so once you do that, now you're talking about 
high quality YouTube channels that are actually driving product, uh, driving sales. And you then you when you start feeding your products through Facebook into Instagram and you're connecting all these stories back and forth across just even just using those three platforms. We're still talking B2C. You can drive a lot of revenue in the millions of dollars. There's a, there's a couple outdoor companies that I, I can't name because of NDAs that are actually doing just that. Okay, very interesting. And by the way, if you can make ERP interesting, you can probably make anything interesting. So, you know, as long as you are focusing on the application and the marketing and doing it right, right. you can probably make anything interesting. So the follow-up question I'm going to have for you, Steve, is going to be, uh, I'm going to add another layer. So right now, you gave a great example of how to think about content, to be honest. When you focus on the application, you make that really, really interesting. Now, when you look at these platforms, each platform has its own uh, nuances, and I think Robert uh, touched on it, Chris uh, touched on it a little bit as well. Um, but when you are thinking more from the strategy perspective, so I know that you know you've got to find your customers where they are hanging out. You probably need to figure out okay whether it is going to make sense for a specific channel or not. But when you look at the platform specific nuances, do you have any insight in terms of what these people who may have never used social media and they want to find out, okay, what is so special about LinkedIn versus YouTube versus some other platforms? Do you have any nuances that you might be able to share any insights on? Yeah, you know, I realized when I was thinking about that question that I have my own biased opinions and I thought I'm gonna go look up some facts. Uh, and I found some interesting uh, information that, uh, you know, if we're talking about B2B businesses, LinkedIn makes up over half of all the social traffic to B2B websites and blogs. And it then actually represents 80% of the leads that are sourced through social media. So if you're, in, you're a B2B company, that's clearly the place to be. I also assumed for some reason, YouTube wasn't even on my radar. And you brought it up right before the meeting that, that it, it's been on your radar. YouTube is actually the number two social media platform for B2B companies. Yeah. And it's incredibly evergreen. Uh, and uh, it's probably more important to have video there than it is to have video and podcasts uh, connected to LinkedIn in podcast apps. From, so that's LinkedIn. I mean, if we're going to talk B2B, we're talking about LinkedIn. Yes, you can be other places, um, but I think you, you're going to spend the majority of your time probably in LinkedIn. B2C, I'm a big fan uh, because I deal with some pretty big retail websites, and I'm sure Robert does too, of making sure that whatever the platform they have feeds into Facebook, feeds the products into Facebook, and then therefore also feeds them into Instagram. Because you can have a, a, if you're active in both of those platforms, from a retail standpoint, you can actually create a lot of traffic and you can tag your individual products inside those, those platforms and send people back to your website form. So I think, I, to me, I think Facebook and Instagram are a little more retail oriented. I think Twitter, uh, Twitter has 220, here's some facts, 220 million active users and 500 million tweets. Instagram has 500 million daily users you know so we're, we're talking between instagram and twitter they're averaging something like 350 to 500,000 posts a minute <laughs> right so you you have to figure out how to stand out um and you, so that goes back to that brand guideline um and like robert said knowing where your your customers are and i'll be frank i don't know a thing about tiktok other than all the silly videos i've watched i have no idea how to use it for business um, but I know that we have used Instagram and Facebook for business, for retail businesses, 
very successfully, or at least I've seen my clients use it very successfully. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Steve, for that. So, Dave, I am coming to you, and the, the, you are going to get the question of the day, to be honest. And the way I know Dave, Dave can make anything interesting. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about how to make moles interesting, because that is going to be uh, the uh, question for a lot of manufacturers and the e-commerce mm -hmm. companies when you are selling really boring stuff. There's nothing exciting to talk about it. <laughs> so how would you make that interesting? Oh, just you wait. Okay, so here's here's the deal. Um, with social media in general, you have to do three things, and I'm going to give you the ratios in which to do the three things, right? So you need to engage, you need to inform, and you need to convert, okay? So engage is about 50% of what you should be doing in your social media. Inform, educating people on what to do, is about 30%, and then convert is about 20%. Now, that's just based on the classes that I've taught and things that I've done on behalf of Google and other places. So if you're doing those three things correctly, and if you're not just one trick ponying and doing, you know, just all all um, sell, 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 right? So if you're doing all that convert, the people that were just posting on the, the stuff, nobody likes that. It's like a conversation and you have to have a give and take in conversation. So how would I make molds interesting? First, I would know who my customer is. Right. I'm going to be a broken record on that. If my customer has a very specific need, I'm going to shoot video of that specific need, need being met. And I'm going to post that in different and interesting ways. So you're going to come back. You know, we, we talked about YouTube. Um, not only, Steve, is YouTube the number two social media, it's actually the number two search engine after Google. Right. So there are more people searching on YouTube than all the other search engines combined other than YouTube or other than Google. So if you're posting thoughtful, helpful content and if you're solving problems for your customer, you're going to reach those people. Now, I want to get tactical for a second because a lot of a lot of our viewers are probably asking, OK, well, that's great. But so so I'm doing this 50, 30, 20 thing, Dave. I'm engaging. I'm informing. I'm converting. So how, how do I get people to actually buy? Well, you need to post links to your website, to a landing page on your website that is dedicated to converting those customers. Right. So. Everyone, either you're having a conversation in social media or you're just following the ratio, right? You're either engaging and posting things that are designed to entertain, that are designed to help, that are designed to do something to start a conversation, right? That stuff where if you have a conversation in the hallway with a friend of yours, they're like, oh my gosh, that's cool. Tell me more, right? That's engage. If you're informing, you're showing people the process, how things are working, how the job to be done for a customer, you know, for sharp knives or for good molds, right? It's the specific need that you're filling. And it's all the way back to the oldest adage in marketing. You know, people that sell drill bits don't really sell drill bits. They sell holes, right, Sam? The yeah. perfect hole. They're, they're selling what the hole is needed for, right? Yeah. So it's how to, how to use our drill bits to drill out the right amount of material in your given mold or whatever, right? So if you're bringing all that back and you're putting it in and you've got a short code or a link that goes back to a tracked landing page on your website and you use that as the beginning of an engaging conversation to almost make it like a choose your own adventure, right? Where if they're going to download this white paper or check out this infographic or check out this whatever thing and then you start a conversation with them, 
by using a tool like, in my case, HubSpot to automate the response and give them more of what they're looking for so that it feels like a conversation with your customer and you're actually solving their problems, you're getting their jobs done, they've got sharper knives, they've got better molds, whatever it is, then you start actually growing your business. So social media by itself is nothing. It's just a way to shout out and to start conversations. And if you use it wrong, if you're just using it to shout at the street corner, like the old soapbox guys, right? You're not going to get anywhere, right? So what you got to do is make sure that you're engaging people, that you're connecting with them, and that you're taking them along on the ride with you. And if you can get them to that spot where you can actually start converting, that's where the money is. And then you also have to play, right? So social media shouldn't be boring. You asked Steve, what social networks are good for which things? Um, you know, he mentioned LinkedIn. I agree 100%. It's a little hard to stand out in LinkedIn unless you're boosting and like driving traffic, unless you're very, very dialed in. So I encourage folks, if you're looking at LinkedIn, to engage with groups and to always use the hashtag so that you're showing up in searches related around specific things. If you're doing Instagram or um Facebook, you probably want to be, again, kind of engaged on groups on Facebook, but also on Instagram, really leaning on the hashtags for when people are searching. Um, but also go with the play part because Instagram, very visual and very connected and engaging. Same thing with YouTube videos. You want to have something helpful. And that's kind of a, a an ease for everybody. I mean, everybody uses YouTube and it's really helpful across all networks. But have you guys heard of the Blend Tech people? You've probably heard it more by their most popular YouTube series, Will It Blend? These are the guys that would drop almost anything into their blenders. Like, here's a brand new iPhone. Let me drop it in this blender yeah, and yeah, see. Yeah. Will it blend? You know, they had fun. They played with their products. They played with played with their service. And they actually did something engaging. And then, of course, what did they do? They linked right back to the sale page for that monster beast that just chopped up a rock in the blender, right? So you've got to give them that next step. So play, have fun, and enjoy. Yeah, and by the way, that show is really fun, to be honest. I mean, I did. Uh, uh, I just don't remember the name of the channel, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. the show is very engaging. Once you describe, then I know that. Yeah. Okay, which blend tech, will it blend? I forgot to talk about TikTok because that's probably the hottest and best way if you want to connect with younger folks. Yeah. Um, you have to play by the rules of TikTok, though. Don't get onto TikTok and have a three-minute long blog about you talking through your newsletter. Right. That's boring as watching paint dry. And you're probably going to get more views if you just do a video of paint drying and then do something silly like smack yourself in the head in the forehead with a two by four or something. TikTok is all about play. It's all about having fun. It's about using different audio and some very surprising kinds of businesses are having incredible luck on TikTok yeah. because they're hyper engaged. I guarantee you can get a mold maker to drive a ton of traffic if you're doing interesting things with those molds, right? So I've watched videos on TikTok of people doing live edge, like acrylic molds of tables that do like 3D uh, beach scenes or whatever. Do that inside of 30 seconds and post it up. You're going to get a lot of views. But any of these networks, you have to be ready to play. You have to be ready to play by their rules and go with their target markets. And then just to be a social media 
expert or guru or to be successful in social media, what you need to be willing to do is tinker. You need to play. You need to have fun. You need to push the envelope, try things out, take what works and do more. And what doesn't work, shrug it off and try something else. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. So, Robert, I'm actually coming to you for the insights related to when you look at different platforms. What are some of the nuances that you have seen? And with respect to social commerce, how would you take the strategy on different platforms? So let's start with TikTok. Um, As Dave said, it's geared towards a younger audience, but starting to trend older. Um, It's geared more towards individuals as opposed to companies. But there are some companies on there doing some really interesting things. Um, And they are taking lots of chances. And so if you're a a staid old Wall Street firm in your blue pinstripe, not going to work so much for your persona, right? But if we look at some of the breakout stars of last year, uh, Excel Girl, all she does is is teach Excel classes. And, you know, she made over a million dollars last year with her fun and engaging dancing. You know, so what she did is she engaged gave a little bit of information, she engaged, got people interested, pulled them in, and then drove them to the website. Um, Instagram is pictures. Um, they have been playing with their, their algorithms to um, drive traffic for people who are using reels. Um, you can build a pretty big audience on Instagram if you're posting multiple times a day. But again, if you're posting the wrong stuff, you're not going to get anywhere. So how do you how do you know what's going to work and how do you know what is going to go viral you have to test you have to take chances you 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 know on youtube and facebook you can start out with some basic seo so in terms of writing your titles and writing some of your content and that that you know you're going to make sure that you're targeted in that way so it actually shows up in some of the search results you can use some back channel testing of videos in your own user groups or off channel um not off channel i would say uh, off brand accounts that you have that aren't directly related to your primary account so you can throw some videos out there and see which gets more engagement and then pull the one that gets the most engagement and then publish that to your primary account you can do the same thing with your content. So it's, it's you know, you can actually use some of the classic marketing tech techniques of A-B testing or multivariate testing to see which is going to work better. Facebook, in terms of nuances, Facebook for the general public, their groups still dominate everybody. They have the best groups. They have the most variety. They're huge. I found personally LinkedIn groups are typically just broadcast channels for a particular brand. And I don't get an awful lot of interaction in there of of the ones that I have joined. And so does a Facebook page, a Facebook group make sense for you? Maybe not. So the differences between a Facebook page and a Facebook group, many businesses can set up a page and it's basically like a newspaper and, and you just post things there, but there's not an awful lot of engagement. It's basically just you broadcasting and occasionally people will like it. You know, you'll see a lot of engagement from celebrities, big brands that have endorsers or um, music artists, things like that. Where you get the engagement is groups. So uh, a business will actually set up a group to talk about things in particular, like creativity. So Smooth On actually has a Facebook group and people can go in there and, and they can interact with the brand, interact with experts and figure out, am I using the right percentages of these products to get the results that I want? thereby reinforcing the brand and helping them to 
improve the customer experience. There are some other channels that we haven't talked about that are so social media. And those are things like Telegram, Discord, and the one I couldn't use last year that was only on, on iPhone and then just recently went to Android. Oh, that's, uh, that's Sam's favorite. Um, uh, Clubhouse? Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. Clubhouse. Reddit, right? Oh, I, I personally, I love Reddit. I am, I am deep in Reddit and that, that is, that is a great channel as well. So you, it's kind of like a kid in a candy store, right? So which one do you go to? It goes back to figuring out where your persona is, you know, your ideal customer, your avatar and start small, do it well, slowly expand. Do not spread yourself too thin. Otherwise, you know, doing too much, you're going to do badly. Do one well then pick the next. Very interesting. So you mentioned a lot of different channels and I'm not even sure if people are going to be familiar with that. So let's start with uh, channels such as Discord or Telegram. And again, the topic is social commerce and you are trying to make some money out of it, right? How would you make money from Discord, let's say if you are a brand? Just like any of the others, you, you know, you're, you're having conversations with people, talking to them about your molds. So I, I have a little bit of experience with molds you know i i am also a game designer and so i've i've had conversations with you know chinese manufacturers and u.s manufacturers about having injection molds made and you know am i going to use steel am i going to use aluminum you know and that's probably getting too deep in the woods for some people you know but you can certainly make it interesting to talk about the differences of them and if they're going to ask questions about it you should be prepared to answer them. Why should I use steel versus aluminum? You know, what is the life cycle of aluminum versus steel? You know, how much, what, what's the lead time? Things like that. You know, the simple stuff. You know, certainly there's a, there's a cost difference in making them. You know, 10000 for what I was doing for a single mold in, in steel or 5000 in aluminum. It's like, oh, that's a lot of money. And so, but you have, as good, you have a good conversation and you have a strong call to action. And I, I think that's the one thing that we haven't mentioned here is we've talked about driving them to a page. You have to really have a strong call to action regardless of the platform that you're on. Um, Dave did talk about having some automation. You can absolutely have automation in any one of these platforms like Facebook Instant Messenger has great automations in it. It will actually tell you. So I, I help my wife with her dance studio and you know, when we have customers come in and start asking questions, we drive them to Facebook Messenger so we can start that conversation with them. But Messenger actually prompts us with their AI and says, hey, customers have been asking this question a lot. This is the answer that you've been giving. Would you like us to automate that response? Yes. So instead of, instead of my wife constantly being barraged uh, with what's class cost, what ages, where are you located? You know, Instant Messenger answers that automatically for her, instantly stepping them forward three steps to, hey, can I come in for a trial? And, you know, so there, there are tools out there that will facilitate that for you. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. So, Chris, I am actually coming to you. And uh, since we are talking about many different channels, uh, and I really don't know what mold makers are going to do on Discord. Maybe you can convince me, uh, you know, if they are going to hang out on Discord, because most of the time it's probably going to be developers. And maybe there are some communities. I mean, there are a lot of manufacturers on uh, on Discord. Industry 4.0 is phenomenal overall. But the Industry 4.0 community is very developer-centric in, in my mind. So when you look at these channels, what are some of the nuances that you have seen 
and which are going to be fit for uh, for for Chris. Yeah, I, I think everybody did a great job covering the nuances. I can in fact sit here and listen to it. I, I think you know something that's coming into my mind here that social is a place where you have the conversations you engage, and we've been hearing these words, and we've been talking about these today. I think big a big challenge for companies is that often this can't be just left to your marketing team because they typically don't have the stories, the experience, or the knowledge. And this becomes the challenge for companies to get into these challenge these channels is that you need a subject matter expert who can engage and have these conversations, who can get active. And, and I will tell you that hands down, that's one of the biggest challenges that I see with many companies, you know, that yes, they overcome the risk that we talked about earlier, but now who's going to do it, right? They have to identify the people in the company who have that information to share, who are reputable, that can help them build the authority on that channel so that they're going to take that call to action that we create for them to clearly take a next step. But it's really identifying and uncovering on your team who can be active in those spaces. And that's why it is so important to start small, really identify, give those people experience because most often even it's going to be new for them. So uh, that that would just be something that I would share and maybe not so specific as a nuance to all the different platforms. Um, but I think you have to look at the demographic of that subject matter, that subject matter experts and make sure they can speak to the demographic in the channel that is most popular for them. So that's what I would add there, Sam. Yeah, very interesting. So I am going to give you a very interesting scenario. And marketers are amazing because they have these crazy ideas. And at times, it might not be the most comfortable for subject matter expert. So Chris, I don't know how you would feel about dancing on TikTok. And let's say if your marketer is going to come to you and they are going to say, you know what, TikTok is hot. Okay, Chris, if you could pull off a dance on TikTok, it's going to be viral. And we are going to be selling a lot of products. How would you feel about that? Let's say if I give you that scenario. Well, my first question would be, uh, yeah, it's hot, but what's our objective here? <laughs> to make me look foolish or <laughs> really what's the objective, right? So if if I'm going to dance and it's truly going to lead to something really valuable for uh, my audience, then then maybe I'm willing to take that risk. But I, I have to, my first question is, what's the objective? What are we trying to do here? How can I, do, if, if, if I'm looking to entertain, I still want my entertainment to have a really good objective for the company uh, rather than just me looking foolish and getting followers, maybe uh, like, uh, you know, Steve mentioned, but maybe they're not really going to lead to a sale. Yeah. And I can see how that conversation is going to go with your dance teacher, Chris. You know, if you're <laughs> going to say, OK, what is the objective for dance? It's supposed to be dancing. Just dance. <laughs> Am I ballroom dancing or, you know, am I, what, what, what kind of dancing am I doing here? <laughs> interesting. And I don't know if anybody is going to have comment on, I think we have a very interesting comment related to Discord. If anybody wants to address that, we can take that. So Discord is a, yeah, go ahead, Robert. So I, I think that raises a, a 
it ties into what Chris is saying and, and the LinkedIn user. Um, so we need an SME, right? And trying to take SME out of actually doing their job and having them available for answering social media content eight hours, 40 hours a week really isn't doable. You know, they, they have another job to do and having, uh, you know, a marketing person do it isn't well. Where I have seen it work really well, there's a company called Sweetwater. It is actually the largest music retailer in the country. And they spend a lot of money and time training their support staff and their, their, their quote, engineers, right? And so these guys get the training from the manufacturers and their internal SMEs to be able to handle that first level and second level kind of question and support. And they do it in a pod environment. So it's not, so they actually sit in pods of four or five and six people. So they actually trade off when they don't know something, they know somebody in their pod would. And so it can certainly, you know, discord can be played the same way. You can answer those questions from a support perspective, or you can answer it from like an inbound product perspective as well in a pod environment. So it puts less stress on an individual and it shares that knowledge base. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. So the only thing we can take right now is going to be closing advice. Uh, Steve, what would be your closing advice? Build relationships. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Steve, for that. Dave, what is going to be your closing advice? Know your customer, engage, inform, and convert, and make sure that you're hiring someone that knows what they're doing. You know, it's really important to drill in and to actually hit people where they are and not bore them by talking to them instead of engaging with them. Love it. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. Robert, what is going to be your closing advice, please? I'm going to build off of Dave's and, and Steve's. It's not talking at, it's talking with. It's building those conversations. It's developing that relationship. You know, social media does not have uh, an instant ROI. You're building a long-term relationship. That's it. Yeah, love it. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. Chris, what would be your closing advice, please? I'm going to go to the numbers. So global social commerce sales reached $492 billion in 2021, and it's expected to reach $1.2 trillion by 2025. So that means we all have to take a step and figure this stuff out. So try something, pick a channel, find a way, take the advice here and, and start something. But we are close to our time right now, so we are going to close. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to e-commerce uh, and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. So make sure you are not going to miss next week's show. We are going to be here. On that note, thanks again, everybody, for your time and insights. Thanks, thanks Sam, and thanks, everybody else. Bye, guys. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Christina Harrington, head over to genalpha.com. It's G-E-N-A-L-P-H-A.com. If you want to learn more about Steve Rice, head over to .comjungle.com. It's D-O-T-C-O-M-J-U-N-G-L-E dot com. If you want to learn more about Dave Meyer, head over to BusyWeb dot com. It's B-I-Z-Z-Y-W-E-B dot com. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to R-G-B-Commerce dot com. It's R-G-B-E-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes 
including the interview with Katie Thomas from Leaders Online who discusses the importance of personal brands and why personal branding is essential for personal growth and corporate branding. Also, the interview with Aman Alani from Sahol Cold Brew who discusses the unique challenges and important metrics for a consumer brand and a food and beverage company. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.